Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. I'm talking with John and Suzanne about raising their two girls, Rachel and Emily. Both John and Suzanne worked full-time outside of the home. John is a high school teacher and a coach. Suzanne is in the computer industry. Both of their girls were heavily involved in lots of activities, but ultimately narrowed down to softball and gymnastics. Now, Rachel works for a tech company in California, and Emily is on her way to med school. Their girls are incredibly well-rounded, humble, kind, and hard workers. If this sounds familiar, I talked to them on the previous episode. But I was so fascinated to find out from John and Suzanne, like, how did they do this? Was it hard for them? And y'all, John and Suzanne are full of so much wisdom. So here we go. All right, you guys. Okay, tell me about the choices y'all made when Rachel and Emily were really little, like preschool, elementary, that helped them, like, find their passions. I think we're really open to them trying many different things. Yeah. And so in those early days, it's simple little rec sports then where you practice one night a week, and that's not hard to fit in. So let them try a lot of things in those easy levels, and then eventually they figure out what they like. Yeah. Um, I agree. In many ways, we tried to be, you know, find out what they liked and what they enjoyed and and also what they had some talent in doing yeah. which tended to go together and so we let them do lots of stuff um you know, we we would even go to the Plano Parks and Rec activities and find yeah. things like that with art and uh early on because mom is an excellent pianist um we let it, we basically got them into piano lessons yeah. and for sure and and of course with they did lots of sports and tried many different sports and um you know, and they had some some degree of ability here and there, and um, so we just tried to fi- let them find their own passion to some degree, and tried to expose them to a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Now let me talk about the piano thing because <laughs> I am a pianist, <laughs> and I, I I think we both agree that it was important to do an instrument to have music in your right? life. It develops yeah. the other side of your brain. Uh-huh. But I w- we were both totally okay with them choosing whatever instrument they wanted. However, I told them. We really want you to start in piano. You're gonna oh. you're gonna start there. Now you don't yes. have to stay mm-hmm. there, but you're gonna start there because it teaches you both clefs, bass and treble. It teaches uh-huh. you rhythm. It teaches you dynamics, and then you can branch out. And sure enough, they did. Rachel branched out to per, to percussion, and Emily br- branched out to flute. But you know what? They still play to this day piano when they no come way. home. Yeah. They How long sit. did they do piano before oh. they branched out? Um, maybe seven or eight years. Oh, okay. So they, we stayed in it for quite a while. Even. Did you teach them? Or? No, 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 oh, okay. no, no. Okay. Bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I thought no. we, so, but. We had a, some great teachers awesome here at the church. Teachers at the church. Yeah. yeah that so. took care of that. Absolutely. And in fact, the piano background really helped Rachel get into what she wanted, which was percussion. Uh-huh. Because all the kids at her school wanted into percussion. And there was an audition process. And so she does the audition, and, and it was okay, but it was didn't really stand out until yeah. they said, can you do anything else? And she stood there at the marimba 
and plunk down, no row, row, row your boat from memory because it's laid out just like a keyboard. When you look at a marimba, yes. it's the same yes. way as a keyboard. And she was able to play that from memory, and that put her over the top, and she got into percussion. In, like, middle school when you're Yeah, like going that, into yes. sixth and seventh grade when they let yeah. you pick your instrument. Right. So, so I think it served her well. That's it's awesome. kind of tangent to that was Emily that, when she was going into sixth grade, you know, at the end of their fifth grade year, they test them for instruments. And she tested also and and really only did well at percussion. So they tried to basically maneuver her into being a percussionist. Oh. And Emily said, no, she did. She wanted to play the flute. Well, <laughs> they tried to teach oh, her gosh. to play, play the flute, and she couldn't oh. blow a sound at all. No. And they're basically saying, well, that's probably not the best idea, yada, yada, yada. But she was determined she wanted to play the flute. So basically, I went to the band director and said, well, she'd really like to play the flute. And he was actually a member of our orchestra at some point here yeah, at church. Yeah, yeah. And he at one point said, you know, we want our musicians to love what they do. And so very much we'll let her try again. So she went home and practiced on a Dr. Pepper bottle, how to no. and things along those lines. And a week later went back and tried out again. And so they decided to let her play the flute. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Were there any things that you guys said, no, we don't want you to try that? Um, it's hard to remember off the top of our yeah. heads. Um, uh, if I can think of something as we go I along, I'll try to remember. Off I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, said no to. You know, really very little we would have said no to that they wanted to do. Right. There was one time in the science fair that Rachel really wanted to do a self Basically, a perpetual self-motion machine, which would basically be an automobile (laughs) that would combine wind power, solar power, internal combustion engine electricity to therefore propel itself. Okay. Would have made us rich. But but the the, the science fair project was due about five days from then. So it was tough to – I had to kind of redirect the science fair grade from that ideal um, to try to redirect that, which is very noble and – you know, had it been a five-year goal, we right, try to pursue maybe. it. But, 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 but a five-day Wait, this is Rachel? This is Rachel, yeah. <laughs> oh so it's kind of interesting. So That's yeah. hilarious. Yes. Um, is there anything you would have changed about how you, you expose them to things or what level early on? Because I assume being saying yes to a lot of things when they're little makes your schedule sort of busy. Mm-hmm. Was that fine for you guys? It worked. <laughs> I, I really think we had committed to being, yeah. you know, doing that. I think as parents, that was a, you know, it's it's an awesome blessing to be a parent, and yeah, but it's also a chosen responsibility to right. be a parent, and and I think we accepted that choice, knowing that you know we wanted to not necessarily em- enable them, but empower them, yeah, to succeed in whatever areas they felt, you know. They could succeed. So and cool. I think we were both yeah. on the same page about it. it's their life, and we want them to choose what they want. Yeah. Um, and so we were willing to let them try a bunch of different things till they could figure out where their passions right. were. Mm-hmm. Right. And you guys both worked outside the home. Oh, yeah. From the full time beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there was a calendar in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> this paper, you know, back then we didn't have even iPhones, let alone yeah. apps. I can remember looking at that, and there'd be two-week periods where we had something every single night. Oh, my goodness. And then we'd have maybe a day or two off, and then it would happen again. Another yeah. two-week period of every single night. And 
we were younger then. <laughs> we had a little more energy. No, you, the, do you look back now and think, how, I mean, how did we, we do, do that? I, I don't I don't know. We we also had help. We had support around Absolutely. us. Yeah. Uh, grandparents chipped in. Um, we have a great support system in both of our extended families. Yeah. Right. And that was huge. Not only grandparents, but aunts and uncles and cousins all, all around us. Yeah. So it was big support. Were the two of y'all in a lot? Did y'all do a lot of things when y'all were kids? Not yeah. as many. I don't think okay. I was as busy. I, I did quite a bit. You I tried. Have. I tried to do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, didn't always succeed. Got cut from my seventh grade football team and cut from my seventh grade basketball team. And But then made the track team. And, you know, yeah. then, you know, made soccer. the ninth grade tennis team. And then played soccer throughout and, yeah. you know, all that. So uh, um, it's – it's um, and, and then I also played piano, um, albeit somewhat – Begrudgingly, I was the <laughs> most people do. Most people, that's the story. They're like, I hated it, but I'm glad I, it I didn't, happened. I, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I didn't hate it. I just didn't practice, which was, you know, right. That's a problem. Finding <laughs> out that, that you're actually paying for these lessons and not practicing, and yeah. so there's a certain, you know, lack of, you know, cost benefit analysis there. Right. But, you know, it's it was something that I'm glad I know, and yeah. I can I can still play a little bit here and there. Right. Certainly nowhere near the expertise of my my bride here but um <laughs> you know it's it's something that i'm glad i was able to do yeah, yeah I, I i was in boy scouts and mm-hmm. i did some other stuff too so i think you were busier as a kid than i was could have been could have been yeah. i just kind of focused on academics and piano and that was about yeah. it yeah but you both were in agreement we want our girls to be in all these things do you remember having a conversation about this or did it just happen pretty sure it just happened i think it yeah. just happened organically we yeah. wanted to let them be them and right. be their own person Right. To some degree, and I'm a I'm a high school teacher. That's my, my chosen profession yes. as a teacher, and um, have been now for 31 years. Uh, but I I kind of had a blessing of being a teacher that I had summers when they were young. Yes. So I was blessed to be able to stay with my daughters when they were pre-K mm-hmm. and whatnot, and be able to you know have them in the summers. Um, that blessing also gave me some insight that. I need to get them out of the house. <laughs> um, it also gave me huge appreciation for stay-at-home parents. Yeah. Stay-at-home parents, the choice to, of a stay-at-home parent is an awesome, noble, and huge responsibility, yeah. which is is no easy task. That is a absolute blessing and a big responsibility. Yeah. So, so I found out real quick as a summertime dad that, okay, I need to get them active. I need to get them involved in this stuff because like all young children, they're curious and they're precocious and want to be engaged and learn and, and all those things. Absolutely. And, yes. and if you don't direct that energy positively, it will be directed somewhere. So, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Did y'all see work ethic and drive in your girls really early on? So, um, I, I, I never really thought about it. What do you think? I feel like, well, I feel like now their their work ethic is better than mine. Uh, I really do. <laughs> yeah, I think they work harder than I do. Um, than I, yeah. So I, I'm not sure kind of where that came from, but yeah. So, I know both of our parents had probably grew up with real strong work ethic. Yeah. Children of the Depression, yeah, and yeah, 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 things yeah. of things of those lines. And so, and as I said, they both were blessed to stay with both of our parents for, you know, when they're formative yes. years in some ways too. Don't so you think that also. adds a dimension to people when they are around grandparents? Multi-generational. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that gives such a blessing for the, 
for the children to know that they have not only that big support system, but you know, so many others that to whom they're connected and love yeah. them and care for them and support them. So absolutely. Yeah. And there's even a little bit of a, an extended expectation going on there. It's not only the expectations underlying that they know we have, but they, they don't want to let down the grandparents. the grandparents and the aunts and uncles, you know, in the extended family too. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. No one ever overtly said, you know, you must do this or we'll be horribly disappointed. But right. it's, just, it's kind of there in this yeah. little undercurrent. And I think yeah. they were aware of it. I yeah. think that's natural for all people, though, that you want to be supportive and make your, you know, your own people proud. Proud, Absolutely. yeah. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Yeah. So you're also, you're, you're a coach I as am. well, John. So was it ever hard watching your daughters be coached um, in a way that you were like, mm, don't <laughs> do that differently? <laughs> I want to be prudent because I, I want to honor the efforts sure. of all of their coaches. Yeah. Um, and in some sports, like Emily's Gymnastics, um, I have no frame of reference or expertise to critique. I, I can only say that she ended up being great and enjoyed what she did all the way yeah. through college. So, you know, huge kudos there. Um, and in other areas um, of other sports, there were times when I could recognize that the coaching they received was was not the best. Yeah. But they both did. Rachel had some great softball coaches. Yeah. An awesome uh, man who's still a dear friend of us, uh, was a, whatever softball coaches. And, you know, going up all the way into high school and, and Emily, you know, had some, you know, as I said, great gymnastics coaches. So um, I tried to limit how I critiqued her coaches to her as best I could. Yeah. I think the bigger problem was, was you being tough on them because you're a coach by nature. And I was often like, John, back off a little. <laughs> well, and in some ways they were both pretty good soccer players. And I, I was a soccer coach yeah. and they were both probably among the best players on their team. Yes. No question. Rachel who was an excellent soccer player and even was close to joining a select soccer team as an academy team. There's a team called the Sting that really kind of wanted her to play goalkeeper. and um, But at the same time, another softball team called Texas Glory wanted her to play. And, and at that time, you know, we were going to let her choose. Um, yeah. And, you know, and even think about having her do both. You know, try to go ahead and keep really? on both. Absolutely. And we oh. were thinking about doing both. But then she happened to get really yeah. bad bronchitis really bad asthmatic bronchitis, really bad, somewhat allergy-related, mm-hmm. um, to the point we had to see a pulmonologist and things along those lines. And so what ended up happening is that the pulmonologist thought that since she was a catcher in softball and she was allergic to the grass, that playing catcher in softball would be, you know, would be okay, whereas playing in the grass in soccer might be a little more Whoa. rough for her. Has and so that somewhat health. redirected her to softball. So that's kind of where that in, that genesis of that came from. Wow. So, yeah. So she was struggling on what to choose. She was. So, yes, yeah, she was. At she that was. time. She was good at both. She was very good, yeah. And so and Emily really was good, too, although she was smaller. And I do remember one game where we were playing an older team, and she just got run over and wrecked just boom, <laughs> just rolled i mean just 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 obliterated she, yeah true true foul probably should have been a red card on the other player but yeah. that's neither here nor there <laughs> you know but i think it almost clicked in her mind at that point in time that you know i really like gymnastics more than i like soccer exactly <laughs> so, i'm not going to get run over in absolutely, gymnastics absolutely and yeah then, so and then she also i think she was already spending two three hours a night in gymnastics at that okay. time and this is probably age 
eight or nine. Yeah. And doing soccer at the and same time. And doing soccer too, yeah, and, and so some other stuff. Yeah. as they got older, you, y'all, and they their commitments grew for these activities. Right. To help them navigate, you're going to have to say no to some things now. Mm-hmm. It's a transition because y'all were like, we're going to expose you to a lot of things. And we're narrowing in. And now we need to say no to some things. So how did y'all, did, did you have to help them with have that? Make those decisions, what that look like? Well, I, I, t- I tend to be very planful about things. And so very. I, my background is computers. And so I come out of a very logical, practical background. Right. And so I would teach them. The whole idea is teach them how to make a decision, right? You yeah. want them to know how to make it. Yes. So let's write down the pros and cons. Let's think about it. I mean, it, I, I, that, when I look back on it, my parenting mantra, if you will, my, yeah. my whole – philosophy could be summed up in one sentence and that is the goal of parenting is to work yourself out of a job yeah so gradually over time that's what you want to do you when they first arrive in your house you do everything for them yeah but then gradually you turn things over to them they feed themselves they clothe themselves they bathe themselves they buckle themselves into their own car seat that was a lovely day when that happened yes (laughs) but then you can't just stop at hygiene you've got to expand gradually over time into other things like making decisions and managing your time and choosing what you want to prioritize yeah so gradually turning those things over to them and letting them practice on little things first Right. Practice on simple little decisions with small consequences and yes. then gradually let those decisions get bigger. So you, that's that's a key thing is just sit down with them and process through what how to make this decision right. wisely and what are the pros and cons and weigh it weigh it out. Right. So let's think okay, you know, let's start with a the smaller decision. Okay, like so say they want to wear a short sleeve shirt to school uh-huh. in the middle of January. Great. Yes. Let them yeah. Let them do it because the consequences to that are small. They're going to be cold for maybe a day. Maybe the teacher will think you're irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. you, might, you could always email the teacher and say, hey, this is what's going on, so they don't think you're a terrible parent right. if you're worried about but, that. But still. But let them, like, let them practice. They've got to be able to practice yeah. little decisions early on and then gradually bigger and bigger decisions so that by the time they're 18 and moving away, they should be old hat at this yes. by then because they've practiced along the way. Right. And now they're making huge decisions. This year, Rachel was buying a car, oh, yeah. and Emily was choosing wedding venues. Oh, and I or watched who she's them. gonna marry. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a go. big one. She, well, she kind of decided that a few years yeah. ago when she started dating him. Right, but but yes, she did say yes. Yeah. not long ago. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I watched them make those decisions, and they were, I swear, the most well researched, well thought out decision in the history of the world. They were just really put the effort in and the time and thought I it love through. That. And they involved us. They came to us to talk about different aspects and not only us but my dad they talked to my dad about the the car buying thing so it's fun to see that they've really learned how and i really trust their decision making now well i thought it was really interesting and when i asked them the question about how is your relationship different or something like that now that you you guys Uh are adults and emily was like I'm living with my parents right now, and it needs to be over. Like, <laughs> it does. <laughs> that was the goal that my parents did not want me to be an adult living. With She's them. ready, and I think we're ready. And I'm like, we're yeah, you're. That was your your job was to not. Yep. Have to be. I mean, you're always you're always gonna be their parent, but right. not. They don't need to live with you anymore. Right. And and so it's kind of. The source of tension now because she's yeah. like, I'm ready to have my own place, she you know. Is. And she's going to be awesome. At yes. it. she's ready, and we're ready. Yeah, 
That's great. Yeah, it's it's we want we've always wanted to empower them and basically allow them to make those, you know, good choices. Interestingly enough, when they were young, uh, I teach at Plano West mm-hmm. Senior High School, and, and we lived on the east side of Plano. And so when they were young, they always thought, well, we're going to go to Plano West. We're going to go to Plano West. Because, and as a teacher, they could do that if that yeah. was their choice. Yeah. Um, but when they got to middle school, they basically came to me and said, Dad, um, I don't, don't want to go to Plano West because they wanted to stay with their friends, yeah. which is fine, which yeah. is great. And so that was, you know, just little things like that, you know, little stepping stones of maturity that they start to make their own choices and absolutely would yeah. support those. And so, and the like when they come, were you were you like disappointed or not at all? No, no, because hey, they, you know, the fact that teenage girls felt that their friends were were, were very prioritized to them or than yeah. being at the same school where their dad happened to teach. Yeah. That's natural. That's yeah. probably how it should be. Yeah, actually. you're like, that's healthy. That's absolutely good. that's healthy. And so that's that was fine. And I knew there's some great teachers on the other you know, other side of town where we live. Yeah. I have some teachers. So yeah. that was perfectly fine and that made sense. So for sure. That's great. Were you ever worried about the pressures that come from competitive sports? And so Emily, with all the commitments in gymnastics Rachel playing softball. How did y'all navigate those? I felt that probably more for Emily than I did for Rachel because yeah. the time commitment is just huge in gymnastics. Yeah. And she had this goal, you know, of going to the Olympics in her oh, mind. Yeah. And, and you know, we knew that was just almost untenable to get there. It's it's such a huge goal. and But you didn't want to shut her down, right? You wanted to empower her to to pursue her goals. Yeah. But there were there were times when I would say, you know, you could just mispractice and be okay. Because <laughs> see, I'm not the coach. I don't have the sporting background that John has. And I, I'd kind of suggest that and she'd be like, no, I've got to be at practice. And so then I and I'd okay, all right, you're right. And yeah. that's where John's John's influence would come in there because he yeah. would say the same thing. Um very much we wanted to support those goals and try to empower them. Right. Um it's kind of interesting that Emily really didn't start gymnastics to about age five. Uh-huh. And that's kind of late for gymnastics, know, actually, which is, which is very sad almost. But that's in the world in which we live. That's kind of what that is. And so she was actually a very gifted dancer when she was in pre-K. She actually did some dance recitals and whatnot as young girls. And she really liked it and was very good at it, actually. Yeah. But she really segued because she enjoyed gymnastics more. And so that's kind of where she went to. And uh, um and so you know, we would basically do that, and we'd do gymnastics and, and took her as far as we could at one gym, and then she had to go to a different gym and stay there, and it, and it wasn't very positive. So we ended up going to another gym, which ended up being great for Positive, her. like too much pressure? Too, like... It was just wasn't a constructive environment for okay. her yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. in terms of that. Um, she learned some skills here and there and, you know, had some decent – had some nice – friend she made from that gym but yeah. it just wasn't the right environment for her so we so decided she to, would come back come back from practice and you could tell from things she would es- say and especially the, we, we were there for two years and especially the second year it was not you know it was, it was not a good mm-hmm. place to be so we decided to you know cut we should have changed sooner probably should have but you know probably. she wanted to kind of stay with it and she had a couple of friends that were there yeah. and so Kind of with the same mantra that we kind of let them somewhat direct right. some of those decisions. Right. That was, you know, maybe that's one where we should have stepped in and said, you know, no, we really need to go 
do another. I don't think we realized just how toxic it was yeah, at times. So it could have been. Um, yeah. I don't think we. I think she hid it from us could a little been, bit. Could have been. Yeah. So. Well, those things are so hard in the yeah. moment. Uh-huh. You're trying to make the best decisions you can in yeah. the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. and for our kids to do hard things isn't. That's okay. They can mm-hmm. do hard things, yes. but then when it go, creeps over into not healthy it's yeah. Like, yeah yeah time yeah. to get out it's just hard to navigate those right, things in right. the moment yeah so, one of the things we've really prioritized also was having our girls here at church uh-huh. um very much not only sundays but wednesdays we would absolutely try to be here for you know as much as we could because we felt you know i grew up in this church uh-huh. uh and it, it's not just the the structure and the body of the church, but it's the environment of the empowerment of the people mm. that attend this church. Mm. And so from that perspective and having a lot of, again, anchor connections here at the church and knowing that we wanted Jesus Christ to be at the heart of all we did, yeah. we very much wanted to involve them here at the church, and we did. From They were basically you know, cradle babies yeah. here mm-hmm. at the yeah. you know, and the cradle rolls. Yeah. Uh, and so we were here. Pretty much every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, as best I, we could. And I think a couple of things that really helped that instill that l- love of being involved in a church community in them. Yeah. First was that they saw us mm-hmm. choosing as adults to be involved For in sure. things that had nothing to do with them. Like John, you like, teach Sunday yeah, school. Yeah, like I teach Sunday yeah. school. I'm in the choir. I play piano for the youth choir. John's a deacon. John teaches Sunday school. They see us doing things we choose to do that have absolutely nothing to do with them, but we're choosing to do it and put our time into it and that that's important. So yeah. they see that example. Yeah. And then like, secondly, it's people like you, Ivy, and your aww, mom that ama- along the way are creative, thoughtful, fun people and made it fun to be here. Yeah. And people like Andy Swanner, who yeah. set up multi-generational events that we can be involved in. We had our kids in, back then it was Easter Story. They yeah. were the kids in the oh, crowd and we were the adults in the crowd. You were there, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then nowadays it's been carols. You know, yeah. So all those multi-generational events where we can do ministry together even make not only us with us, but even with aunts and uncles and cousins there too. Because we've got so the cool? whole extended yes. family around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes it I think that grew that desire in them to be part of the community. Yeah. Did they miss practices to come to church? Or games? S- not games. Not usually. Not there usually. was there there were some instances when they yeah, they did. They I know they made some that was usually actually when they're older. They would make some of those decisions as teenagers in the youth group that said, I, I need to do a church event instead. They, they made a couple of those choices. Yeah. Sometimes they would, it would be the other way around. But right. they certainly had to begin making those choices quite a bit, especially as when they got to the youth group. Right. They did. So and it's just. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's whether, it sounds like y'all were intentional about church being a priority, but I think that also helped them navigate the pressures because yeah gymnastics wasn't the life. only right it wasn't the only thing in your life right there were other there were there was a place of community of church where mm. if something happened to gymnastics emily would be sad i'm sure but it wasn't her only thing right right i mean well, I, I agree wholeheartedly i think mm-hmm. that's for sure that's an aspect yeah. of it that you know they they had Anchor communities of family yeah. and friends and faith that were totally surrounding them, yeah. and so those 
highly competitive things they're involved in, whether they were athletic or academic or artistic or whatever, musical, they knew that we wanted them to do their best, but we would love them no matter what. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, how did y'all, you talked a little bit about the paper calendar. <laughs> how did y'all maintain the schedule of driving them all over and... Uh-huh. It helps that I'm a very planner, organizer kind of person, and and we would have to just be real, discuss it the night before, okay, tomorrow I'm taking her and you're picking her up and you're taking her and I'm picking her up. Yeah. And, 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 and we had to call in the grandparent cavalry yeah. some, some yep. of the times. Yep. But yeah, it just took a lot of logistical planning really to did. keep up with the calendar. Um, it, it was somewhat intentional on our part. Um, I actually was a varsity high school um, head coach for soccer for my first 12 years of coaching and teaching. And, um, you know, at, at about, you know, by the time the girls were around, I guess, eight, five and eight years old, um, it started to, everything started to get stretched really thin because right. the girls are involved in huge amounts of stuff. And, you know, I was teaching and coaching and yeah. trying to shuttle. And uh, I'd found that I'd started becoming mediocre at everything because yeah. from being a husband to a parent to a teacher to a coach that yeah um so i actually made an intentional choice to give up the coaching aspect of my career at that point um to just teach which in some ways allowed me some of the the avenues to then you know work with the girls in yeah. some ways i was their coach sometimes in the young young sport areas yeah. whether it was you know softball or soccer or whatever basketball has been and i coached them all in those things and then um and i think it gave me that blessing of transferring that time that i would not have been with them to then be with them and right. so that was a a very uh, willing choice i made to right. do that and Kind of interestingly, I, I I received the call during in-service this year that they needed me to come back and help be an assistant coach at the high school level again. So, uh, so I I picked that back up this year. So. And and that raises an interesting point of, of the balance of your time. I think it's important for you as a person to have things that are for you. Yeah. And even even in those crazy busy years. Right. There was always something that was for me and for John that we had going on that had nothing to do with them. And, and now, granted, in those busy years, maybe it's seventy-five percent them and only twenty-five percent us, you know, right. or something. Um, but they need to see that. They need to see that you choose to spend your time on things, and they need to see how you tackle it. That they'd see me, they'd hear me sitting at the piano practicing, so that I'd be prepared. Right. They'd see me spending five or six hours on my Sunday school lesson on a yeah. Saturday, so that I'd that. be prepared. Yeah. And I wanted them to see the example of how to go about you it. You work on things too. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. It takes some effort to right. do to do your best. You always want to do the best you can. Right. And tackle that. Um, so I wanted them to see that example. Yeah. I know we always also tried to take family vacations that had nothing to do with their activities because mm -hmm. it was easy to follow them around to do, you know vacations via softball tournaments I know. or vacations <laughs> via gymnastics meets or vacations because we happened to be for there for this. Right. But we also tried to, you know, we would try to go skiing when we could mm -hmm. over spring break, yes. which happened pretty much until Rachel got into high school and then they had softball interjected there. So yeah. we had a, about an yeah. eight year hiatus on the ski trips. But then um, 
we'd sometimes, you know, we'd take other trips in the summers when we could with the girls yeah. to try to have always an, you know, annual family, just family trip. Yeah. Whenever we could do that. And, you know, which I know was very important to Suzanne because she didn't get, you know, the two months off in the summer like I did. Yeah. So. I was thrilled that you had that time, but I was jealous. Yeah. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I was yeah. jealous of it. Yeah. But I'm so glad that, that he had that time with, with them. That, that's something you don't always get. No, that's awesome. But going back to the, the timing of things, um, like I can remember Saturday nights, if I was teaching the next morning in Sunday school, they'd come along sometimes and, oh, let's watch a movie. Let's play a game. And I I just have to say, I can't. I've got to get ready for my Sunday school lesson. And I hated that, but I had to do it because I felt like I needed to be ready and do the best I could. But then what you have to do, as guilty as I felt about that, was the next weekend when I wasn't teaching right. and I could watch that movie and could play that game, I needed to be intentional to make it happen and not just let that day go yes. by and, oh, it didn't happen. But yes. be intentional about building it in when I could. So you have to really think about it. I, no, I can't do it right now, but I can do it next week. Right. Let's do it then and make sure it happens. Like there was another example. Our, their elementary schools allowed parents to come for lunch. And so I th they wanted me to come. They were all over that, oh, you know, yeah. pick pick up Wendy's or Burger yes. King on the way <laughs> yeah. and bring it to school. They thought that was awesome. Yeah. And I realized I was smart enough to realize this isn't going to last forever, right? A few years down the road, they'll be in middle school and they're not going to want me to oh, show up. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, need to I need to do this now while they like the idea. Yeah. So I intended to do it. And then I kind of looked up in two, three months and gone by and it just hadn't happened. Yeah. Because work happened. I had right. a full-time job. Right. So I thought, I've got to be more intentional about this. So I then looked at my work calendar for the rest of that school year, and I built it in. That's Ahead so of time, I looked at the next month and the month after that and the month after that. What weeks are too busy? Don't do it then. Do it the next week when things right. are lighter. And I built it in, and then work just filled in around it, it like does. it will do. Yes. But I got those things in first because I had to have a little bit longer lunch to go all the way up to Polo yeah. and have lunch and come back to work. But I I made most of them. Yeah. I had it's a, it's the idea of getting the big rocks in first. Yes. Anything yes. that's real important like that that you want to be sure happens, build it into your calendar first and be a little planful. About right. It. That's so great. And I think the the idea that y'all have y'all were very um, who is this the right like introspective or like took the time to really assess how are things going like. You could have just kept coaching, but you had to say no to that because you realized this is not like, this is not. And I think in life, we just get going and yeah. you don't, it gets busy. You don't take the time to go, how is this working? Yeah. You know? I think that was a wise choice that he made at that time. I think it was probably hard for you, but yeah. it was wise. It was, but I know that's, that, that, that's that God wanted me to for sure that that my responsibility as a father um, was priority in that instance as a husband and, yeah. and as a um, and then as a teacher too I could still keep teaching which I did yeah. and continue to do and so that's where that time needed to go because time is finite you uh -huh. know in terms of here on yep. earth our, our earthly time is finite so you know we want to try to, you know, carpe diem as mm -hmm. best we can. Yeah. It's, it's a blessing and a gift. And so that's where we want to go with yeah. it. And so absolutely, I, I felt that honor and responsibility and privilege of being a dad. And so I wanted to try to make sure that I was able to fulfill that as best right. I could. Do you recall processing that decision with anybody or did you just do that? Probably with me. But. Uh, um, 
you know, we, we talked about it, but I, I, I mean, Suzanne and I talked about it, but um, yeah, I think I had probably internalized it before we talked about it. Mm -hmm. that, that's something that needed to happen. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just a simple matter of time. If he's busy coaching his own games, how could he attend theirs? Yeah. And it, yeah. it was important to attend theirs. We, we, we go to almost everything that they do. We're always there. And uh, I just felt like that. I love being there. Oh, I, I yeah. hate to be there a few times I missed, but it was usually because I was out of the country. Yeah. You know, traveling for work occasionally. Yes. I didn't travel a lot yeah. back then. Uh, but. Every now and then I'd miss, and I hated to miss. It's just fun to be there, either to celebrate if they succeed or to, you know, Sporty. commiserate yeah. if they don't. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Either way, I loved being there. Yeah. Did the girls go to each other's stuff? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. We drug okay. them along. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a lot of choice. Sometimes voluntarily. <laughs> um, most of the time voluntoldly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yes. They, they seem to have a very close relationship well more now they than do now. younger they were very competitive and uh -huh. when they were younger yeah. like would get frustrated with each other right and but, would very much be angry with one another and the older one knew how to yank the younger one's oh, yeah. chain and uh -huh. push those buttons i'm sure you don't understand oh, that yeah. at all with your older sister Sibling, yeah oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah yeah but uh uh as they've grown especially when you know, Rachel got into college, and then they got older. That that just that bond, even though it was rough at times. That um, they obviously, you know, were, you know, there was some antagonization going on. I think they they kept that bond, and then that bond is much tighter now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How did y'all? So, well, you've talked a lot about y'all went on family vacations. I want to talk a bit about how you made time for family. Grandparents are close by. Mm -hmm. Aunts and uncles. Well, all the big holidays we all get together. Yeah, yeah, we always help that y'all go to church together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Some go here with us. Some and go and even at that time when the girls were little, my parents were still here at this church, and so that was, um, and and they got to stay with them before they mm -hmm. ended up moving to East Texas. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we're able to start their you know early years in that fashion, and yeah. so. We kept maintaining that, that, and and we're able to you know go to lunch together on Sundays sometimes, and you know many times we're able to do that and keep keep all those connections together. So yeah, that was you know I think that was very very important. Yeah. Okay, how did y'all stay connected as a couple? I guess we just build in time for dates here and there. Um, get a babysitter. <laughs> Babysitters are wonderful. We did Mother's yeah. Day out was wonderful. Mm -hmm. I mean the girls. The parents' night out parents thing. Night, that's it. Yeah, parents' yeah, night yeah, out yeah. thing. Parents' that they night had out. Here. That's what it was. Parents' night out. That was it. So it was yes. wonderful. Yes, it oh, was. we loved that. That was good. Good stuff. So, um, just to have some. Yeah, you know, we love being with our girls always, but it is important to have some time. Yeah. for for parents as well. So was it so, so was weird good. when they went to college and it was like, oh, we get? Did that feel weird or no? It felt kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> to it's, have a little time back, but it also felt a little lonely. Yeah. It, it was sort of a bittersweet thing. Yeah, it was. Kind of. It was. A, it was a little. Uh, the girls had been doing so many activities and had been blessed to do things like children's camp yeah. at this church. Just yeah. wonderful, wonderful experiences with with your mom leading yeah. children's camp and 
then youth camp when Randy was leading youth camp and, yeah. you know, back, back in the day and then even, you know, when Adam was here and everybody else. And then the, so the, so the youth camp and the children's camp, they were able to attend every year and they, they did other activities. They would often, you know, spend time at our grand, at our, our parents' house yeah. to, with just them and our parents. And so yeah. they going to college was somewhat natural for them, just a continuation of their growth and maturity. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was it was tougher, I think, for me when Emily left and driving back from dropping Emily Aww, off at college. Yeah. Because then it is a truly empty nest yeah. at that point in time. So that was a little bit but the toughest was actually when I, I actually drove Rachel out to California for her first trial oh. in California. And when she put me on the plane to send me home, uh-uh. now that was tough. That was tough. But, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I knew that she was, you know, she's a woman of God, that she yeah. has Jesus in her heart. And I, Suzanne and I had done our best to empower right. them to be right. em- empowered and, you know, capable. And so at that point in time, you know, we, you know, um, just pray and we know that they're blessed and yeah. we keep on keeping on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is a this is a bonus question, and then we'll go back to be sure you don't have okay. any more wisdom. That, okay. but okay, being high school teacher mm-hmm. and a high school coach, what what words of wisdom do you have for young parents? Parenting doesn't stop at any age. Any mm-hmm. age, I think that's that's one thing that it's. And I totally agree with Suzanne. It's it's great to work yourself out of a job, be it from potty training to yeah. seat belt buckling in the car to yes. ultimately the driver's license and things like that. It certainly does change when it is a game changer when the when the children get a driver's license. That yeah. changes a lot of the dynamic in terms of things like, you know, not always having the family dinner at the scheduled time because now they're maybe working or yeah. they're at late night practices and things along those times. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, um, as a high school student, you still want your parents as your anchors and your support, and you want them to still give you those parameters. I mean, kids would say no, yes. but I think inherently they really do. Yes. They want the parents still yes. to be the ones to tell them no when you have to tell them no, or to uphold the consequences, not yep. to let them get by, uh, uphold consequences, support them. And if they've done something in error, then you, they have to be called on it. And, you you know, the consequences that have been established, because those are clear, uh-huh. um, to take place. Yes. And so I think that's important that, you know, you continue to support. And um, our girls were very motivated academically. Right. And we really didn't have to push them that much to make good grades. They really wanted, had some natural desire to do that themselves. Um, and, and we would try to help motivate them for things like that. But um, really, we never the only, the only time we would ever interject anything about academics is if we felt they didn't put any time into it, if they ever didn't do well, but they had they tried. They didn't try. Yeah, if they didn't mm-hmm. try. Yeah. If they had tried and didn't, whether it's academics or athletics or anything else, hey, we still supported them 100%, even if they weren't good yeah. at it. That was, that yeah. was fine. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's good. So it's like once your kids get to high school, it doesn't mean you, okay, oh, I'm no. out. Oh, no. No. 
college either, for that matter, to some, to, to some degree, much more so in college. But you're still there. You know, we still, you know, we're still, you know, they know that we're still there if they need us. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll still answer that call no matter what hour. Yeah. If they need us. And so um, they know that uh, we'll still support them. And, yeah. Um, but in high school, it's still the, 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 the students still need the parents. The, the, yeah. And they really want the parents to be there. They and really it's hard because no high schooler, you're going to get attitude from high school. Absolutely. You're going to get eye rolls. You're going to get, you know. Mm-hmm. But deep down, oh, they, yeah. they actually want you oh, to. Oh, yeah. And, and as long as expectation and communication is clear yeah. and it's not contradictory, uh-huh. then that – they absolutely want that to be there. I mean, there's there's times when it if it, if that was not the case, then it would create frustration. But as long as the expectations and rules and you know all those things are clear and the children know it, yeah, then they want they want that anchor of parenting to still be there. They do. Yeah. And we even told them in high school that if they needed to use us as an excuse to say no, yeah. use us, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? You know, if, if you want to be able to back away from something your friends want you to do, you can use us as an excuse. My parents would kill me, yeah. you know, and use us to walk away if yeah. you need it. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Suzanne, what else? What other the only things? other one I, I didn't touch on was they talked about how we – uh, rewarded them, you know, for A's with a book. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that they, they they were on to us. They figured us out that we were tricking them into reading. <laughs> and that's exactly what we were doing. That is exactly. So if they got all A's, y'all, or. or no, if they got an A, they get a book for every A. On their report card. Yeah. So, or, so if you had like six classes and you got six A's, that's six books. And, yeah. and so they, they thought that was cool. But there, it reminded me of one other example that kind of tied into that, and that was Scholastic Books, these little paper catalogs. Oh, yes, yes. You remember those? Oh, yes. I don't know if they still do it. They do. They do. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, back then they did, and they'd come home with these catalogs, and we were very generous with that because right. we loved the idea of buying books for them. Because if yeah. you have a love of reading, you can learn anything. I know. And it opens up your whole world. Yeah, right. Right? So – we really wanted to encourage that. So what I would do is I'd sit them down and I'd give them a marker and I'd say, circle every book you want in the catalog. And they'd circle 20 things, you know. Yes. And between you and me, we probably could have bought all 20. But we're not going to do that, first of all, because that turns them into spoiled brats. <laughs> and second of all, I wanted to, we wanted to teach them to choose yeah. how, to, how to make a choice. We're teaching yeah, yeah, them yeah. how to fish here, right? <gasps> yeah. So we say, okay, you can't, we can't do 20. We want you to cut it back by half. And so now they've got to pick, or even better, I want you to cut it back to this dollar amount. So now you learn the value of money, right? I can buy one expensive book or several cheaper books. What do I care about more? And they make that choice, and they get to see the value of money, how to prioritize, how to make a decision, all the while we're tricking them into reading. That's exactly exactly what we were doing. Exactly. So that was one of those decision-making things that we were teaching them along the way. I love that. And getting them to read. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a story that gives you a better idea of the type of mom I had. So our family would typically go on one big vacation a year. And on these vacations, my parents would map out the details of each day. So like, oh, we're going to go spend the morning at this museum and then pick up lunch here. And then we're going to walk through the park in the afternoon, etc. and so forth. I recently found my mom's typed out schedule of one of our vacations. And seriously, you would have thought this was like an agenda for some tour guide company with like 60 people. But oh no, it was just our family of four. Anyways, a couple days before the trip, my mom would bring that schedule into my room 
along with this printed out like weather report of the place where we were going. And we would lay out my outfits for each day and get my suitcase packed so I would be prepared for the vacation. And I look back and I think, in fact, now I know because I'm a, I'm a mom, but you know what? It's much easier just to pack for your kids. It's just easier to do it for them. <laughs> but in, it took my mom extra time to process through these decisions with me prior to the vacation. Like, hey, if you wear those shoes, they may not be comfortable for all the walking. What do you think? And then I would make the choice that what she did through that little thing was help me become a decision maker. She didn't think for me. She helped me learn how to think and then make choices from that thinking. And this is true in a lot of different categories, like my allowance and and buying Christmas presents for our family or planning to get schoolwork done. And I listened to John and Suzanne talk about how they help their girls learn how to be people that know how to make decisions that they wanted their girls to be able to get out into the real world and be able to make choices. And they did it by showing their girls how they make personal choices. Like John made this really hard decision. Hey, I'm not going to coach anymore. I'm just going to teach. And Suzanne made the decision to prioritize school lunches with her girls or, hey, I can't play the game right now. I've got to work on my Sunday school lesson. That their girls saw their parents make decisions. And then John and Suzanne allowed their girls to make decisions. Hey, what books do you want to buy from this scholastic catalog? What sport do you want to keep playing? Let's talk through the pros and cons. They allowed their girls to make those decisions and experience the consequences of those decisions. And I think as parents, letting our kids make their own choices means, and I'm going to speak from personal experience here, you might be standing in the Target toy aisle for entirely too long, waiting for your son to decide what toy he's going to buy with his own money. Or it might be tolerating, you know, one of those little decisions that you just don't love. Like, um, I'm going to wear this short sleeve shirt on a really cold day, or this is the haircut I want. Allowing our kids to make decisions when they are little requires patience on our part and possibly some pain, maybe some embarrassment. But what matters most? Don't we want our kids to be able to one day enter this world as adults and have the ability to make good choices? And I think it's important for us to allow our kids to practice that now. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.